Our guest uh, for this segment, for this hour, is Dr. Bill Warner. PoliticalIslam.com is, uh, is the website, and we're going to open it up tonight. Uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. Um, there were, was a little bit of backlash from the Muslim community, at least in the media, over a billboard that was in Indianapolis, which was titled The Perfect Man. This billboard had six bullet points, which go on to describe uh, Muhammad. And they ne never mention Islam. It never mentions Muhammad. It just is titled The Perfect Man. And then it has six bullet points. And it starts with um, married a, a six-year-old girl. I believe that's the first one on the left-hand side. And it makes other claims. Uh, you know, killed 600 Jews in a day. Uh, and and a few yeah, other ones. Dr. Warner can, can certainly address them all. Uh, right. And, yeah. and uh, a lot of the criticisms about the billboard was that the claims on the billboard were inaccurate. They were lies. They were hate speech. And a lot of the people who said that were Muslims themselves. And again, even though the billboard never mentioned Muhammad or his name kind or, or Islam, uh, these people immediately identified it with Muhammad and rightfully so. Uh, Dr. Bill Warner, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, let's get right into this. Good. Glad to be back. And I think we have something really remarkable happening here. First off, the people who put this billboard up, which uh, I spoke with one of them before they did it, they wanted to make sure that what the thing said were true. Instead of dealing with the religion of Islam and dealing with the Quran and dealing with Allah, they instead deal with, well, he's behind the screen, but they deal with Muhammad. Muhammad is the Achilles heel of Islam. And I love the fact that they didn't say it was any, it wasn't. I think the Muslims use the duck theory here. You know the duck theory? It walks like a duck, quacks <laughs> like a duck, swims like a duck. It's probably a duck. And so I think that they were able to uh, look at all these bullet points and go, they're talking about our prophet Muhammad. So but I thought it was clever the way they did that. Absolutely. Now, there's something else that's non-clever here, which points to a bigger problem. They wanted to put it on more billboards, but the national companies wouldn't carry it. So okay. they had to find a, a small local company who would carry it. And I think here we deal with the big problem, which is, is that in America, people do not want to be Islamophobic. And so what is Islamophobia? Well, Islamophobia is a ill... The, the, um, no one has ever been able to tell me what Islamophobia is, but everybody's afraid of it. <laughs> well, the, getting back to the sign, though, it shouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm tongue-tied because, my goodness, no one's mentioned by name. Nope. <laughs> but remember the duck? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. So I think some people said, you know, I think it's a duck. Hmm. Because the things that Muhammad did, I mean, they did not make up anything here. Everything they take out of, they put on the bulletin board, and by the way, this is only a few of his uh, foibles, shall we say, all come from two sources. We know more about Muhammad than we do George Washington. For instance, I have no idea how George Washington went to the bathroom, but we know exactly how Muhammad went to the bathroom. We know about his bathroom habits. We know what he said before he went into the bathroom. We know what he said before he had sex. We know how he had sex. We know what we know how he ate. We know how he, we know how he knocked on a door and how he laid on his back. I mean, the minutia we know about Muhammad goes on and on and on. And these six bullet points are just a few taken 
off the list of this is who Muhammad is. And yes, he did marry a six-year-old and consummated the marriage when she was nine. And let me, oh, by the way, let me give you the worst news. People will tell you that because they say she was six years old when he married her, and she was 12 years old, nine years old when it was consummated the marriage. What they don't tell you is, is those are lunar years. And they're even, the, the, the age is actually younger than that because we're used to thinking years in solar terms, which is 365 days a year. Right. Well, a lunar year is 12 months, 12 months of 28 days. And I don't know what the math does real quickly, but it's not 365 days. So she was actually a little younger than six, a little younger than nine when it was consummated. So uh, this is all factual material. All right. Is, is this, is what we're seeing part, um, this normalization, this strikes me as, as, as attempting to normalize uh, pedophilia. I don't know how else to describe that, but making it okay uh, to, to have sex with underage children. Is this, is this what we're seeing here, kind of an outgrowth from that? Uh, I, I, I'm not even sure how to, how to frame that question, aside from the way well, I just did it. Well, let's address the bigger issue. Okay. There are 91 verses in the Quran which state that Muhammad is the perfect pattern for all human life. That every human being is supposed to be a father like Muhammad, a husband like Muhammad, a warrior like Muhammad, eat their food like Muhammad, go to the bathroom like Muhammad. So this is called the Sunnah. S-U-N-N-A, the Sunnah, the pattern of the life of Muhammad. So if there's 91 verses in the Quran which state that everybody is to live a life like Muhammad, what does this tell me? It tells me it's very, very important. Let's, let's diverge a little bit here about the Quran and the relationship to Muhammad. There are, there is, have you heard of the five pillars of Islam? Yes. Well, you cannot practice a single one of the five pillars of Islam based on what's in the Quran. There's not enough information there. The Quran does not contain enough information to be a Muslim. So mm. where does the rest of being a Muslim come from? Well, it comes from Muhammad. Remember those 91 verses? Yes. 91 verses say that everyone's to imitate Muhammad, and we know a lot about Muhammad. As I look up from my desk here, I can see a book called The Life of Muhammad. It's called the Sira, S-I-R-A, and it's an 800-page book in fine print. Like I say, we know an enormous amount about Muhammad, and every one of these bullet points, the six bullet points, come from the Sirah. Marriage with Aisha, killing the... Uh, now, by the way, some of they said he killed 600 Jews. They could make an argument, that's not true, he only killed 500. Because what the Hadith, the tradition say, it was from 500 to 700, some say 900. But all those things, uh, the jihad, I don't know, I don't even think they mentioned jihad. But every point on there can be found in his biography. So this is literally true. The problem is we don't want to talk about it. I okay. want to talk about it. <laughs> well, you, you know, the, the uh, news cycle, the news cycle seems to, to, to just change. Well, it does change daily, obviously hourly, but people will recall the most recent London attacks, the attacks in London. Um, and then the well, we had two two attacks in in the UK within twelve days of of each other, and the London mayor, of course, being Muslim, uh, 
this is what we're talking about here, in my view anyway, is still topical to, to the news because what we're seeing take place is the destruction of, of the UK, destruction of Europe, and of course we're seeing this being pushed down our throats, Sharia. And this was, remember, just a week ago now, folks, this was a big topic here in the United States. Sharia, there were marches, anti-Sharia marches, um, but yet you had people, even feminists, coming out in support of Sharia law, which is just insane. So all of this is topical as we talk about this today. And Dr. Bill Warner is a is an expert on political Islam. In fact, his website, politicalislam.com. And he, May 25th, 2017, Human Rights, Sharia Wrongs, of course, it's into a lot of things. But did Bill you Warner, too, just real quick, the... Uh... Uh, I guess the definition of Islamophobia, according to uh, a number of, of sources, is the dislike of or prejudice against Islams or Muslims, especially as a political force. But that's all it is, right? I- Islam is not really a religion, Doctor Warner. It's a it's a it's a political mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's it's a political ideology disguises a religion. Am I correct, or is that? Am I off base here? Well, I, I, w- I would say it a little differently. Okay. Remember, let's go back to the Quran, and I told you about the Sirah, the life of Muhammad. Then we have the Hadith, his traditions, which are little bitty stories. There's a reason I'm bringing this up. Islam has a trilogy of three sacred texts, Quran, Sirah, Hadith. If we go through those and we measure and we take out everything that's about me, the Kafir, and you're a Kafir too, I presume, although I haven't really asked you. You're not a Muslim, are you? Nope. No, we are Christians. Then then, then, I didn't think you were, but you said to confirm that, uh, that uh, you are a Kafir, K-A-F-I-R, which means a non-Muslim. And I use the word Kafir rather than infidel uh, because the word Kafir means uh, one who covers up or conceals. And the usual adjective that goes with it is filthy Kafir. So the kafir is the original Arabic word, and I use it because the word can't really be translated. Allah despises kafirs, hates kafirs, plots against kafirs, creates kafirs for the sole purpose of watching them burn in hell. So anyway, back to the three books. 51% of the text of the Quran, the Sirah, the Hadith is about the kafir. Now, you would think that it would be about how to go to heaven and avoid hell, but that's only 49% of the, of the textual doctrine. What am I saying here? I call the part that deals with Kafir political since I am definitely not part of the religion. So it is both a religion and it is a political system, and really it's a cultural system. I've heard more than one Muslim here in Nashville, Tennessee say Islam is a complete civilization, a complete way of life. If it were only a religion, I would be out of my workshop making a new piece of furniture. But because it's a political system, I'm here talking to you because I do not want to live under Sharia. How close are we? Uh, this is this is something that's been on our radar for for quite some time, uh, Doctor Warner. Uh, watching these, simply put, watching this unholy alliance between the communists—I believe that's what they are—or although they might refer to themselves as progressives in the in the, uh, in the on the left of center politically, this alliance between the progressives 
in the Muslims has never been greater. And then you, you, we're seeing the the feminists now; these these yeah. these feminist groups coming in, the LGBT uh, groups yes, coming in. Yes, what in the world, Doctor Warner, is going on here in the United States, especially, but also in Europe? What because the Sharia, you know, these coexist bumper stickers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do, where do you even start? But what's going on in the larger sense? And we can kind of drill down from there. You know, you mentioned earlier that we Islam was destroying Europe. I would say it differently. I would say Europe is creating is committing suicide with the use of Islam. Because I don't know how many times I've said this. It is not Islam is so strong. It's that we are weak. We're ignorant. We're afraid. And so therefore, we're slowly committing suicide because we don't want to stand up to the fact that there is a war going on here. And we've had an education system which has been taken over by those who are left of center for some time. And let me say this. Why has the left been able to take over the education system? Because the so-called conservatives and uh, libertarians are unwilling to stand and duke it out in the universities. The universities, yeah, let me take Vanderbilt University, which is here in Nashville, Tennessee. I was there. I used to be proud of the fact I went there. I did my undergraduate. By self-reporting, over 90% of the faculty in the uh, liberal arts school is left of center. They either call themselves liberals, progressives, or just out and out leftists. Now, how are you going to get any balanced thought out of the university? You're not. I did a talk one time at Vanderbilt University, and was accused by a man screaming in the back of the room that I was a racist, a hater, a bigot, and an Islamophobe. He was head of the Middle East Department. My talk merely consisted of statistical analysis of the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith. The point I'm making here is, is that critical thought is no longer being taught in the universities. Instead, it's ideological and implantation. And it is being worked so well because who, I mean, I'm a freak. I'll actually show up and debate with somebody at a university. But let me tell you, the good Christians here in Nashville, Tennessee, don't want to do that because they are too nice. The real cancer we're suffering from is the disease of nice. Okay, apathy and and well, I, I, and I get that. Yeah, and, and that's that's similar to what I say. We don't have a problem with intolerance. We have a problem with tolerance. We tolerate too much. Don't forget, folks. It was just five days ago. It was June uh, reported on June eleventh. Uh, uh, anti-Sharia marchers uh, met with counter-protests around the country. And Dr. Warner, and again, I just want to drive this home with people, um, the the images of the masses of people countering the people who objected the imposition of Sharia here in the United States, holding signs, my Sharia knows no hate, immigrant rights or workers' rights, resist Trump, um, uh, support Sharia. We stand with our Muslim neighbors. These are some just some signs I'm quoting here. I, I am a Christian uh, in support of Sharia. Uh, do these people even understand what they're talking about? I think that what the protesters sign should have read, we hate Sharia wife beating. We hate Sharia jihad. We hate Sharia the demi status. That one may not be a good one to use. It might ask somebody to cause a, ask a question. But instead of calling out Sharia, we need to call out what it is. That I always like to use Sharia wife beating because no one will publicly defend wife beating, and yet the Sharia explicitly calls out how to beat your wife. This is not some drunken affair with white trash in a trailer park. 
This is a laid out in the scripture of Islam in both the Hadith, the traditions, and the Quran on here's how a Muslim is to beat his wife and why he's to beat his wife. What he's to tell the wife before he strikes her, where he's to strike her, how he's to strike her. So I think we should not oppose Sharia. We should oppose things like Sharia wife beating, Sharia jihad, Sharia stoning, Sharia amputations for crime. That is to put it, because once you say Sharia wife beating, a feminist is a little hard to stand up and say, we're all for Sharia wife beating. But Sharia has been, you, the biggest lie we hear about Sharia is, well, you know, Sharia is just like uh, Halakha, Jewish law, or Sharia is just like uh, Christian, I mean, Catholic canon law. Well, canon law and, and Halakha, Jewish law, concern themselves with the Catholic and the Jew. The reason I object to Sharia is, is that Sharia says that I should shut up my face and not do what I do, which is to speak and write about Islam. So, okay, but, but, but we need to understand you, you, what we're you, opposing better. But, but doctor, you, you cannot, or can you extract um, wife beating and, and all the objectionable aspects of Sharia and, and still be intellectually correct or, or, or uh, ideologically correct? Well, when I say I, uh, the sign I would have held would have been, uh, I oppose Sharia wife beating. I just want to educate as to what Sharia is, because like I say, most people have been sold the bill of goods that Sharia is simply a, another religious doctrine. But Muslims like to say, oh, Sharia is how we practice our religion. I'm real bad about measuring things. You've already heard a few numbers come out of my mouth. I look up at my desk and I see a book called The Reliance of the Traveler, which is a Sharia manual. 35% of it is devoted to how to do the five pillars. So 35% of the book is about how to be a religion. The other 65% are how to run a civilization. And I don't want to live in the civilization that they run. Because for one thing, I would not have my head. Oh, okay. All right. I'm kind of fond of my head. Yeah, yeah. It uh, serves more of a purpose than, than, a, than a hat rack. Okay. And, and it and does folks, keep the hat off my shoulders. Yeah, that's right. And folks, remember that the headlines, the big headlines this past weekend were the counter protests against the anti-Sharia marches. Remember that. And yeah. remember this people on the streets. Go ahead. The, the anti-Sharia protests were uh, in a number of different states and, and cities. And the media last week was already uh, promoting them as, as hate-filled, violent sure. protest. And then the counter protesters, you know, the LGBT groups and, and the, the communists got out there. Uh, to boycott the anti-Sharia protest in, you know, standing up for Sharia law. And it is, it is crazy. It's, it's complete. When you have groups that these religion, that this, you know, cult religion, political system, whatever you want to call it, Islam is, uh, against to the point that they, it's in their books that they kill you, but you are, you're defending them. There is a, a cognitive distance there that, um, hopefully can can be replaced one day with with common sense but but dr warner back to i want to make sure we we cover this uh, the perfect man billboard we went over the married the six-year-old uh we we also talked about you know the, the beheading of 600 jews in a day um slave owner in and a dealer yeah. slave owner and dealer is another one rapist is let's another talk one. about that okay let's talk about that i i by the way one of the this is ironic I taught for eight years at a historically black university. Now, what, the reason that is so ironic is one of the things they say about me is I'm a racist, a racist who took part of the civil rights movement in the seven in the '60s and '70s, and yet and taught at a black university, and yet I am a racist. 
Now, where was I going with that? What was your question originally? We were uh, talking about the the perfect man billboard, the slave owner and dealer ah, claim. Okay. What I learned being there was, is that the theory of slavery taught at this black university was what I called the West Coast of Africa with the evil white man on the wooden ship. Slavery starts with the white man on the wooden ship with the slaves on board, and he's getting ready to mistreat them and sell them for a profit. How come at a black university, and I'm just using this because I was there, doesn't teach the complete history of slavery, which is the white slave owner who was on the wooden ship bought them from a Muslim slave dealer who went through the process of jihad to put all these slaves in a pen so they could be sold. This was a commercial transaction with invoices and bills of sale. Why is it that Christians get contaminated with the truth of the fact that they, uh, they took part in slavery, yet it was Christians who ended slavery? The Muslims who, who and by the way, all this is in support of the fact that Muhammad was a slave dealer. He owned, he retailed them, he wholesaled them, he gave them away for gifts. He tortured them. He prayed while they were tortured. Uh, so Muhammad was deep into the slave trade. Part of the process of jihad was to capture kafirs and sell them for the profit to buy armor and horses for more jihad. Mr. Warner. Why isn't this normal? Dr. Warner, we're up against the, we're up against our network break. Uh, we're going to pick up here right where we left off. Why isn't this known? The history of this, the, the Muslim history of uh, their involvement in the slave trade and the mis uh, continuing to talk about the misconceptions and the lies that Muslims, uh, when they talk about their, their faith of Islam. Folks, we're talking with Dr. Bill Warner. Politicalislam.com is the website. We'll Tradingpostinthewoods.com. Uh, now, this again last weekend joe and and i just want to and you, you can continue with the with the um uh with what you're talking about before the break but i just want to remind people because a number of cities i think 28 cities in the united states there were there were protests rallies held in about two dozen cities in about 20 uh, states they were organized by the conservative group act for america uh, which the Southern Poverty Law Center calls the largest grassroots anti-Muslim group in America, claiming 208,000 members and over 100 or over a thousand chapters. The organization describes itself as the NRA of national security, and frankly, I agree with that depiction. And the issue at hand here last weekend was the position of Sharia, the how Sharia has been making inroads across the United States. Just go. Look at UK. Look at look at uh, Proposition uh, M103 in Canada. That motion 103 in Canada uh, right now regarding hate speech. There's a lot of things taking place. Part and parcel to what we're seeing is exactly what Dr. Bill Warner's specialty and uh, where it exists. Now, Joe, I'm going to kick it back to you, uh, and you can continue on with the, what you were asking prior to the break. Yeah, we're talking about the perfect man billboard in Indiana, in Indianapolis. And we were talking about the uh, one of the claims on the billboard, slave owner and dealer. And Dr. Warner, you were um, beginning to explain some of the origins of slavery, both on the side of the slave takers and of the side of, of those who had freed the slaves. Um, why don't you pick up right where you left off? I think that we need to understand the roots of slavery. There were, uh, best I can calculate, slavery is a bad business, and one of the ways it's bad is the collateral damage. 
I have spoken with a slave um, from uh, who escaped slavery from Islam, and he lived in Africa. He and his sister went to the marketplace to sell beans. The jihadists came. They were jihadists, and they killed his mother and father and captured his wife, his, his sister and him. They took them immediately away a long distance. She was raped every night, gang raped. And finally, he was introduced to his new owners who said he no longer had a name. He would be called Abin, black slave. That's the Arabic term for black slave. Each took a stick and hit him, and he got to sleep in the barn with the animals. I'm just bringing you this so that we don't think that slavery is an issue. And I saw this man at Vanderbilt University give a talk. And I was the only one in the room who wanted to talk about the source of his slavery, which was Islam. So is the reason that Islam is so deep into the slave trade, remember I told you, remember the phrase Sunnah, S-U-N-N-A of Muhammad? Muhammad was a slave dealer and a slave trader. Therefore, any Muslim can participate in slavery. Now, let's go back to the collateral damage. I told you that he has his mother and father killed. It is estimated that five people died for every slave in the, put in the slave pens. And the reason they died is this. When the village was attacked, they killed strong men until finally no one was left to resist. The healthy working adults were then force marched quickly away from the village leaving behind the ill, the old, and the babies. So you had to kill a lot of Africans to bring home one African to put in the pen on the west coast of Africa. And by the way, slaves were also sold in the Mediterranean. Ooh, and have I mentioned white slavery yet? There is an estimate that over a million and a quarter Europeans were taken in slavery, in slave raids across the Mediterranean into Europe. They went as far as Iceland, they went as far as Iceland, and they went as far as frequently to uh, Ireland. Now, Muhammad had slaves. He had black slaves. He had white slaves. He had Arab slaves. The reason we know this is, is that the race of his slaves were told. He profited from their sale, and he had sex slaves. Islamic State was condemned by people as being grotesquely un-Islamic for having sex slaves, and they wrote an entire magazine called The Beak which they gave all the justification for sex slaves. And I love reading Islamic State's theology doctrine tracts that they put out because they're dead on good. They know their business. They should. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi has a PhD in Islamic studies from Al-Azhar. So they proudly proclaim that sex slaves are Sunnah of Muhammad and that every Muslim can have a sex slave. They are correct in these assertions. So Islam is the root, the taproot of slavery and yet they walk off scot-free. Christians are smeared with the concept of slavery, and yet they were the ones who ended it. We need to be getting some justice, but we cannot wait on justice from the powerful. We cannot wait on justice from the Muslims. We must create justice from down below. We need to have schools, such as religious schools. There's a large one here at David Lipscomb University. It's now called Lipscomb University, and it's a Church of Christ school, but they will teach you nothing of the suffering of Christians under Islam, they will teach you nothing of the true slave trade. But I, if you'll notice, I have a theme here. I do not blame the left for winning. I blame us for losing. You understand the difference? I don't whine about how good the team is that beat us. I whine about how we don't get out and do our laps, don't do our work, and so therefore we show up at the game. We don't even show up. But I'm a critic of us for losing. I do not criticize Islam for winning. Nor do I criticize the left for winning. We need to learn from our enemies and realize there's something better than a ball game on Saturday afternoon. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah.
Wow. Okay. And, and folks, that's important. That that whole idea, that whole concept is important to really comprehend. Um, what Doctor Bill Warner just just stated. It's 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 phenomenal. You want to continue on that path with the. Um, yeah, let's go. Billboard. Let's go uh, to the next claim. Let's, let's, let's go to the next billboard. Okay, it's the, rich. The next claim on the billboard is rapist. Yeah. Well, I think we've already touched on that, haven't we? Yes, we, I, I think we covered that pretty and well. We've also. Well, we, we we can we can deal with it some more. Muhammad, here's 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 a here's a cheap date with Muhammad. He attacks your tribe. He kills your husband. He kills your father by torturing him to death. Then he takes you and marries you, and you have sex with him that night. Now, that's a hot date with Muhammad. Hey. How do I know that? Because it is given. I, you don't need to make anything up when you deal with Islam. This comes from the Sirah, the life of Muhammad. Now, it does not say it was a hot date. That was my. That was a little irony there, a little attempted, a little levity here in the middle of the, little the torture there. of a woman. Yeah. So uh, it's all there. But no, uh, now you may say well, that's not really rape. But let me go further with the rape idea. In more than one verse in the Quran, it mentions that you can have sex with those whom your right hand possesses. That is a term of art for the slave that you have captured in combat. So that means in Germany, when a Muslim manages to catch a German girl and rape her, that is not a crime in the eyes of Islam. That is an act of jihad. He had her in his possession, and the Quran and Muhammad Sunnah gives him the right to have sex with her as much as he wants, because he is following the Quran. He is following the Sunnah of Muhammad. So we need to understand here that all, everything that a Muslim does has its roots in the doctrine of Islam. Okay. All right. And, and folks, this is important again, because what we're witnessing today is everything that Dr. Warner is delineating here. And it's being defended by people really who either are witting or well, unwitting dupes or willing participants in this um, subjugation to a doctrine of uh, oppression, I guess is the best way to put it. Go ahead, continue. The um, one of the next claims on the billboard is beheaded six hundred Jews in one day, and you said that that figure um, between five and five nine. and seven hundred, yeah, seven hundred to nine hundred. So we could criticize them there. But by the way, let, there's a lesson to be learned here. Look, there's a lesson to be learned in all of this stuff. Islam continues to do the same things. You know why? Because they work. People say, oh, Islam needs a reform. You ever notice the people crying out for reform are not the Muslims, but those are, who are Kafirs? So mm -hmm. there's no need to reform what is, we, I'm from the South, and we have a saying down here, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So why don't you, why would... Islam as a political doctrine, taking over civilization, is working better now than it has since the days of Muhammad. Why would you want to improve this by reforming it? That's yeah. a good point. And obviously they've been successful throughout history in, in their mission, in their caliphate, and uh, continue to, to be successful here today, both in the U.S. and in Europe. Yes, very successful. Very successful. You wrote an article. Um, in, in fact, you had... Uh, Man, uh, 14, let me just make sure I have this right. Uh, when you were talking about the uh, refugees, and this is something that we talk we talk a lot about, uh, Dr. Warner, is, is the number of refugees coming into this country. One thing I'll, I'll mention, I had a meeting, or Joe and I both had a meeting uh, 
this was, I, I think, around June 1st, with uh, Sargas Sangari, commander of the Assyrian army, uh, Kashaba as well, and an undisclosed location where we were getting some information. We were, we were getting briefed about the genocide against Christians in Syria in, and, and in Iraq. All right. Now, we got, we got some, we, we, we were allowed to see some papers that uh, are not public. And to, to see these papers, it just blew our minds. But in your, and they, they had to do with the refugee crisis, um, or when I, I shouldn't say crisis, the refugee uh, issues facing Europe. And you had written an article, I think it was uh, uh, February 8th of this year, The Truth About Christians Among the Refugees, where you cite the figure of four, only 14% of refugees who filed for asylum uh, in Germany in 2015 were Christians. Uh, essentially, the rest were Muslims. Yes. Okay. What's going on here on, on both ends? Where are the Christians? Well, here's, here's, let, let, me, let me talk about what I directly know. I know about Nashville, Tennessee. Here we have a Christian organization, Catholic Charities, who is the one who makes the money by bringing in Somali refugees. Now then, amongst other things, it's not just, I don't want to be off on a Christian thing here because I could also flog the Jews. There's a one for them bringing in refugees. There's Lutherans. I think the uh, there's many Christian groups who are making a deal with the government that they will bring in Muslim refugees and take care of them. Absolutely. And they'll get and they'll make some money. Yeah. One of the things that they will sign in the contract is this: that they will not attempt to convert any of the Muslims. I don't know how familiar you are with Christian doctrine, but there's something called the Great Commission. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. But for 30 pieces of silver, these Judases, who consider themselves, by the way, to be morally superior to me, I'll tell you that, are selling out Christianity for a little profit, actually for a lot of profit. So who am I blaming here? I'm blaming the Christians for this. Why aren't the Christians jumping up and down and raising a little ruckus over this? I, can, I spoke with one woman who is a, uh, a Syrian Christian. Her mother came to America on a 747. She was the only Christian on the airplane. All the rest of them were Muslim refugees. And why is this? Because the Christians won't stand up for their own. Again, I don't blame the Muslims for winning the refugee war. I blame us for losing the refugee war because we choose not to fight. We're dying of the disease, the cancer of nice. What, whatever happened, happened to backbones with people? I don't know. Did they not issue those as a standard issue for a citizen anymore? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it, doctor. And really, don't hold back because this is one of my pet peeves here. Really, we, we, are, um, we are rolling over. You know, as Christians, Dr. Warner, as Christians, you're right. We are supposed to adhere to the we are supposed to go out and preach the gospel. That's that's our mandate as Christians. Yet, as you stated, for 30 pieces of silver, these organizations have acquiesced into this, well, okay, hands-off approach. This is incredible. It really is. Well, I mean, there's something else that's incredible. Uh, I usually don't talk about religion, but I don't know enough about to talk about this. In the book of Matthew, there's a prophecy by Jesus that on Judgment Day, Christians will be judged on how well they treated the persecuted church. When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was in prison, did you visit me? 
And let me tell you something, in Nashville, Tennessee, the churches, 95% of them proudly proclaim, we will do none of those things. Instead, we will bleed in our hearts for the poor Muslims, but we will not stand up for the persecuted Christians. I mean, I think that's appalling. Absolutely. No one's standing up for the Our government, from what Joe and I saw, our government, the State Department, Mike, well, and I, we well, have yeah, to be careful, no. you know, I, the State Department uh, under Obama allowed, in my view anyway, just based on an assessment of the documentation we saw, allowed Christians to be wiped out, wiped out of Syria. And that's why there, there, there are very few Christians coming into these European countries as well as um, America, because they're dead. But why weren't the Christians in the street with signs protesting outside the White House, bring our Christians home? Exactly. No, I blame us again. Yes. I, look, I never played much sports because I was into books instead, but I have been around those who have. And when it comes time to look at the game films, the coach does not stand there and say, look how good the opponents was. Why were they so good? Why did they do this so well? Instead, they look and say, when they did this, we didn't do that. That is, we analyze why we lose. And we don't seem to be able anymore to analyze why we lose anymore. Instead, we want to proclaim, oh, nobody's losing. You see, we all cross the finish hand singing Kumbaya hand in hand. We don't have winners and losers anymore. Mm. Jeez. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I'm going to read a paragraph to you. And uh, like your your two sentences, actually, and I like your uh, assessment of this. This from NPR. Again, um, this was published just a few days ago where in response to the anti-Sharia protests, as they were described. According to NPR, Here's what they wrote. Sharia is a, quote, is a legal or philosophical code derived from Islamic scripture and meant to guide the behavior of observant Muslims, end quote. As NPR's Tom Jelton noted, religious experts say it's similar to parts of Christian and Jewish customs. Now, I know what you said earlier, but that, what would you say to that specific piece of text? It's half true. Mm-hmm. By the way, I've testified in court, and I had to. I was noticing that when they swore in some people for the recent Hubar in in uh, Washington D.C., do you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Notice that emphasis on the whole truth. You know why they want the whole truth? Because a half truth is a lie. There it is. So what they told you is a half truth. Yes, it does involve religion. It does involve their customs, and yes, there are similarities. But let me tell you something. Halakha, Jewish law, says that Jews don't eat bacon, but it doesn't tell the goy not to eat bacon. Uh, and what happens in Islam under Sharia, nobody eats bacon. Everybody has to dance to the tune of the Sharia. That's the only reason I care about it. Look, I, dis- I d- define the term political Islam as to, deal the- to talk about the part of Islam that deals with the kafir, the non-Muslim. That's all I care about. And I don't care about the way the Sharia includes me in its list of do's and don'ts. Get off my back. Mm. Okay. Well said. Uh, I want to continue just one more thing with this because I I, I found a lot of interesting. Uh, this NPR uh, article is is just re- really interesting. Um, in the context of the anti-Sharia protests, and and that's their term, not mine. Um, a few miles away, this author writes, other Atlantans held a counter-protest in food drive. Um. There was a woman by the name of Ozma Aluni, apparently, 
uh, of the Georgia chapter of the Council on American-Islamic Relations. I'd like to get your take on them, too. Criticize the anti-Sharia protesters. And this is what this person said, this Muslim said. If they're against Sharia, are you against feeding the poor? Are you against being friendly, showing love? Because essentially that is Sharia. Well, once again, she's telling us half the truth. It does include those things. Mm-hmm. But it also includes a doctrine called Al-Wal-Al-Wal-Barah, which means hating that which Allah hates and loving that which Allah loves. This is a ethical consideration, which is included in the Sharia. And let me ask you a question. Who do you think Allah hates? Ah, the Kafir. Who does Allah love? The Muslim. So she says is partly true. Muslims aren't to love other Muslims. Now then, there are 12 verses in the Quran. Notice how I keep using these numbers. I love it. There are 12 verses in the Quran which state that a Muslim is never the friend of a Kafir, but they can be friendly to the Kafir. Do you know the difference between friendly and a friend? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, one will bail you out at 2 o'clock in the morning, the other will wish you well. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, if you ever want to meet some friendly people, go to any used car lot. (laughs) There you go. Good good analogy. So, So now then, what we've said is, yes, she's partially true. Oh, by the way, you mentioned... You mentioned an early organization. You mentioned CARE there, Committee on American Islamic Relations. You mentioned an earlier thing called Southern Poverty Law Center. Yep. You didn't tell them about me. I am proudly one of Southern Poverty Law Center's top ten racist hater, bigot Islamophobes. See, I need to ask for a pay raise on these talk show hosts. Wow. I think one of your appearances on our show in the past actually made an honorable mention. Also, on yeah, the- actually, <laughs> we uh, our show for having you on. We were uh, given an honorable mention in yes, their we hate were. department. Yeah, but <laughs> but by I believe it was by Right Wing Watch or no the Southern Poverty Law Center. Southern Poverty. Yep. Okay, yeah. So hey, we'll, 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 we'll maybe I should get off the air right now. May, you know what? I think we both should just kind of like crawl on and uh, go to our safe spaces. And you know, when it comes to the Southern Poverty Law Center, I always say you wear that as a badge of honor. There you go. Yeah. But you know, when I was young, they said I'd grow up to be nothing. Now I'm one of the top 10. I tell you, I'm a success. <laughs> there you go. Uh, You've well, made it. Okay. <laughs> and this, you know, I believe this is so topical, Dr. Warner. And this is why we wanted to have you on because in the wake of, of these these uh, protests i really see uh, oh the, the, one, one last one, one more thing before we move on because this is one thing that when i read this um i really felt that we were being we're, we're losing the war the information war um, okay npr writes this despite the concern of course i'm not going to read the whole whole thing you know that precedes this sharia has no chance of being imposed in the u.s Anytime in the foreseeable future. Um, And this, no area of the U.S. has legally implemented Sharia despite false reports on social media that Dearborn, Michigan enacted it. Now, your response. Well, whoever's writing this doesn't know anything about the Sharia. Sharia is more than a legal system. Sharia is also a civilizational custom system. Let me give you an example of how it's being done right now. I'm involved to give some expert advice to some attorneys who are in a business where they're trying to oppose a mosque in New Jersey, and the Department of Justice jumped in the middle of it with both feet. One of the things is, is that part of the terms of the settlement they want to impose is 
is that no one involved in this can say anything that a Muslim doesn't want to hear. That is, they are implementing the definition of Sharia slander. Now, in our code of law, slander means I'm talking about you and telling a lie. Slander in Islamic code of law means you're saying something that a Muslim doesn't like. Whether it's true or not, it's simply immaterial. So the Department of Justice is trying to enforce Sharia laws with regards to uh, slander in this law and this uh, legal battle. We also see here in Tennessee that the, what is happening is the textbooks now in the seventh grade, something called human geography, are now confirmed that they're uh, acceptable to Muslims by an imam. So now then we're teaching Sharia version of history here in Tennessee. Mm. What these people want to seem like is they, they will say, well, we have a trouble when they go into a courtroom and the judge behind the bench has a green robe on. Green is the color of Islam. So um, we, it, Sharia is like a slow process that's coming about, and we're already adopting the fact that Sharia definition of slander and others and other such things. We're seeing it. You know, when you go to a, a interfaith gathering here in Nashville, Tennessee, you see the Sharia at work because the Muslims assert their rights to be right, and the Christians and the Jews fall over themselves in order not to bother the Muslim with any assertion that he would find unpleasant. Once again, observing the slander laws of Sharia. It's just willingly, insane. willingly, just rolling over. Well, they roll over. Yeah. Look, 95% of the ministers in this town and 95% of the rabbis in this town are wusses, spineless, gutless wusses. I, I love that. Hold that, not just the thought, but that emotion, that, that sentiment, because on the other side of the network break here at the top of the hour, more from Dr. Bill Warner politicalislam.com you got to check out his website his articles and i'll tell you just a very very key man in the fight against sharia imposition of sharia in the united states and the takeover cultural religious takeover in the united states he's really uh he's a guy that i'm gonna have to go down to tennessee and buy him uh buy him dinner i'm gonna tell you i'm or wash his car <laughs> i report dr bill warner is our guest He's not holding anything back. Uh, he's the beloved. Um, he's beloved by the Southern Poverty Law Center. You know, he does tell it like it is with respect to uh, with Islam. And folks, you might look. The the news is the news. We've got a problem with uh, we we have a problem with domestic violence here in this country. Of course, the shooting in Virginia. You've got uh, you've got all of the headlines. We're on the verge of of a civil war. And it's my belief. It's our belief. You've got a number of things taking place. And the, not, the, violent, not, the political violence. The political it's violence. important to make that distinction. I listened to a little bit of Savage today. Yes. And he talked about the last time that uh, representatives were attacked. I believe it was 1954 when the Capitol building was attacked by, it, by the Puerto Ricans. Yes. It was, the, the, that's a fascinating story. Mm -hmm. Historical account, by the way. One of the, the shooters, a lady, was just released a few years ago from, from prison, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, that 1954 was, uh, at least from what he showed was the last time there was, um, you know, an, an, an attack that they tried to assassinate congressmen. Yes. yes. But, but, but all of this, again, as we had talked initially from our, the, uh, beginning of the program, 
we are part of this mosaic and, and a big part of this mosaic understanding this mosaic is Dr. Bill Warner in his expertise in explaining to us what is taking place in this country as well as throughout the world with respect to Islam and the imposition of Islam and the willingness of the Catholics, of the Protestants, of the Christians, the the wussification, and I, I love it, right before the break, you know, we're being wusses. And see, it's my view as a Christian man, it's my responsibility to protect my family. And if I don't protect my, my, my family, then I'm worthless. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worse than an infidel if, if I, right. you know, and, and look, I, I am not, I won't, I won't be the first to draw blood, but I'll tell you something. I will answer. I will answer that appropriately. And, and what, what Dr. Warner said about the Christian church is being involved in bringing the refugees here, even getting paid to do so. We had Josh Tolley on uh, a month or so ago and he talked about the refugee programs that these churches and Catholic charities are involved with. And what was it? $2,500 a head they were getting. So there, there is, um, you know, you do have the bleeding hearts out there, the bleeding heart Christians. And when I say that, I don't mean Christians who are, who have uh, compassion, uh, you know, for others and want to help others. I mean, those who, um, who just are, are, you know, you, there, there was a, an interview on Tucker Carlson yesterday. And I guess this is a better way to explain it. And it was about the the mentality that left. And I don't know who the guest was. It was in the first twenty minutes of a show, where they talked about the contrast between the 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 right and the left, and how many who are conservatives are Christians and have have faith in in Jesus, and uh, you know that is their moral compass. But these people on the left, many of them are atheists, and they believe a lot of these social issues like climate change and healthcare. Are you know this is their moral compass, and they don't have a religion, so this is their religion to them. This you know uh, socialist ideology, and whether it's it's uh, you know misguided good intentions. That's pretty twisted, actually. It is, but it made a lot of sense, and yeah. you know it. it I, I wonder how much of it is the lack of understanding of what Islam really is versus. I mean, how many Christians do you know that that understand what islam is and what it uh you know is attempting to accomplish would continue to do what they're doing and continue you know promoting islam if they had that information uh, i don't okay. think many people could be even considered christians if they had that information and continue to do I, what I, they t- do. I totally agree with that and some of the other things in addition to that i'd like to get dr warner's take on uh, andre carson and uh the other guy in in congress uh, two muslims in congress uh, how can that even be? Get sworn in on the Quran. John, John Brennan, uh, f- former head of the CIA, converted to Islam, according to the FBI, uh, one FBI source. You've got DHS infiltration of Muslims. You've got the uh, just ripping out all Isla- Islam um, uh, training quotes and, and such. So all of Are this. those my materials? Yes. So uh, well, let's come on in, Doctor Warner. Let's continue. Uh, you, you were saying about wusses. I love it. Just go continue. Well, this just goes to my philosophy of I blame. I say to the loser, you need to look at your game. You need to understand that you are losing first off, and that you want to be a winner. Then why don't you examine why you're losing and why you're not winning? And uh, and by the way, I don't want to be harsh on everybody. I usually 
say that I'm only condemning 95% of the ministers. I'm not condemn them all. There are literally a handful. And maybe it's even, but they, they range from 1 in 10 to 1 in 20. And these have become shy people. Now, it's okay to be humble, but that's not to be distinguished. From, that needs to be distinguished from being shy. And these people are, I mean, I just don't understand how they don't care. They call themselves people of compassion who want to help the Muslim refugees. I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem where you don't help the Christians at all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just don't understand this. I don't understand why. Here's an example. Um, this was told to me by someone who went to a Methodist seminary. There was a woman there who had identified herself as a former Muslim and converted to Christianity. You know what she was asked? Well, why would you quit being a Muslim? That's a perfectly good religion. <laughs> this is at a Methodist seminary that they're saying, well, why would you want to become a Christian instead of being a Muslim? I mean, it's a little hard for me to understand, but it appears to me that what has happened is, is that the scriptures are no longer in use in the churches at all. And instead, what they're doing is they're listening to the New York Times and the Wall Street and the and New York Times and NPR. Right, exactly. It, I mean, that, yeah, that's exactly it. And, uh, you know, my statement is, what the hell's wrong with you uh, to even ask a question like that or to make a statement like that? It, it's it, obviously Christians and Muslims, we do not worship the same God. That's a lie that was. Told. Oh, let me interrupt here. Go ahead. Please. I talked with a woman at, at David Lipscomb who was in a class, and she said that they do not worship the same God, and the professor said Christians and Muslims worship the same God, and that's as far as this discussion will go. In other words, sit down and shut up. <laughs> okay. This is at a Christian university. By the way, the same Christian university gave a whole seminar on the beauties of Sharia finance. Brought in a woman, who, a Muslim who works with care, to uh, talk about the, the wonderful position that Islam was the first to give women their rights. Hmm. This is at a so-called Christian university. Unbelievable. Well, believable, yes. Well, okay. And we, we have to always mention CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, unindicted co-conspirators in the Holy Land Foundation trial. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. Um, all right. We've covered a lot of ground, but more to cover. Um the again the 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 you, you made an important distinction too about the refugees and about Europe how Europe is being changed and you said basically that uh, they're allowing that change or inviting that change uh, allowing it upon themselves here in America yes. I mean, here in America what are we doing I mean we're doing the same thing yes and, and now Donald Trump his so-called Muslim ban which I would like it to be that. I believe it would be important for it to be that. What's your take on what's taking place with that? Well, he's pushing against a tide. And uh, I think that I don't want to get off too much into Trump because I learned something of that. I like to deal with political Islam, and which I'm an expert, and I'm not an expert on Trump. I read the same news sources you do. Sure. But he is pushing against a tide that's been in motion now for some time. Okay. And he's gonna, and he is having a lot of difficulties, and I'm not sure how many things he can hammer on. Uh, I have learned one thing though from court cases such as this and others. When I was young, I thought that case, that courts dealt in justice, but instead, what they deal in is legal decisions. Mm, very good, good distinction. distinction. Yes. And by the way, why is it that Trump has to do all this work to keep the Muslims out? 
Do you realize what would happen if there was a mass rally and 500,000 Christians showed up to demand that not another Muslim come into this country until we got in some Christians? But where is that mass demonstration? Where is the pressure that he, look, what is, we live in a world, by the way, we, we're in a sort of moral inversion. The way society normally is supposed to work is this, is that ministers and religious people are supposed to be the exemplars of a moral position. That is, you should look at the minister and see moral courage and moral, and they're on the right side of issues. Well, are we seeing that? No, we're not. Because what is happening is, is those who should be delivering the moral message, they want politicians to do it for them. So traditionally, politicians are considered to be the scum of the earth, something you wipe off your shoe when you leave the house, okay? And instead, what we see is, is that we now expect politicians to be the moral leaders. And indeed, in many cases, I've read public statements by congressmen about the persecution of Christians in the Middle East, which I do not find coming out of the churches. Again, we're leading a life, a society in which there's a moral inversion. Those who are supposed to be examples of moral leadership, the churches, instead look to the politicians and say, please take care of this because we don't have the guts to do so. Mm. Wimps. <laughs> Amen to that. All right. I mean, whatever happened to righteous anger? Whatever happened to moral outrage? Whatever happened to that? I think you said it earlier. People are afraid um, to a big extent. They, the the media has done such a, a great job at brainwashing the majority of the American public to accept Islam and to accept this, you know, crazy communist socialist uh, anti-American ideology. And I think you know those people that wholeheartedly accept that that's one thing. But then there. We talk about the silent majority out there. I think people are uh, timid and they don't, they're afraid of the backlash of, you know, these other people out there. But, 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 I think that's uh, a big part of it. it. I mean, if they could just get past that initial fear, maybe we could, you know, have something to, to work with. But, but what's it going to take, though, Joe? I mean, and Dr. Warner, what's it going <laughs> to take? Know. A, a crucifix dipped or in a container of urine, that doesn't. That doesn't affect, you know. There's no more. There's no outrage. Right. There's but a cartoon no cartoon about Muhammad. Christian sex slaves in Islamic State. Torture deaths. What I mean, if torture deaths and and women being set up as rape slaves, if that doesn't get because they're Christian, if that doesn't get a Christian's ire up, what will? Amen. I'm serious. What will make anyone morally outraged anymore? They're also busy being well-liked and nice. Everyone wants to be socially well-adjusted. And by that, they mean not criticized. I was lucky. I was raised by a woman who was my grandmother who would tell the truth that hair lip the devil. And I caught her disease, which is telling the truth. Now, by the way, I catch some flack. But look, I find that when I was young, I was thought you judged a man by his friends. But as an old man, I'm telling you, you want to judge a man by his enemies. And you know what's the problem with some of these ministers? They don't have any enemies. Of course not. It's bad for business. And, you know, that's another thing. <laughs> I think there's more talk about mortgages than there is about how to help the world. Yeah. It's sad, isn't it? I mean, it's... Well, I'll tell you what's really sad. Nashville, Tennessee used to be called the buckle on the Bible belt. You don't hear that anymore because everybody realized that if Islam, if Nashville is the buckle on the Bible belt, let me tell you, the church's pants are down around its ankles. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's, a good, that's a good one indeed but we, let me tell you a yeah. muslim will never be safer in his idea in his love of islam and than he will be in the city of nashville tennessee 
there's a church on every fifth corner, but they're just brick buildings with a white steeple. Speaking of churches, though, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bill Warners, who we're talking with, and politicalislam.com is his website. Speaking of churches, one thing that we have noticed over the past decade and a half, actually longer, but specifically since, uh, I'm going to say 2000, well, I'll say since 20, uh, since 9-11. I'll, I'll leave it at that. We have seen this takeover of churches. And I've no, I first noticed this in Buffalo, New York. Tom Bowerly, WBEN AM 930, is on this show all the time. We, we, him and I would, uh, we would be talking about the different uh, infiltration, Lackawanna 6 and such. But having said that, that got us into a area of research where we found that many churches were being purchased by the uh, the uh, Islamic Society of North America or other Muslim organizations. What's your observation on that, uh, Dr. Warner? Well, then the churches aren't needed anymore because people aren't there. And I think that one of the reasons that people are that not there is, is that the you know, people hunger to do something that it that is good and right, and they also hunger for a little things that's at least I believe this. I'm getting ready to make a point here, which is that people don't necessarily prosper when when everything is smooth as silk. That sometimes a little tough work is necessary. We have four branches of the military. You know, the only branch of the military that always more than meets its enrollment requirements. Mm. U.S. Marines. And what do they tell a young teenager? We do the roughest, toughest, hardest, meanest jobs in the world. And I used to be 18. I'm now 76. But when I was 18, if you told me that, I'd be like, yeah, give me some of that. <laughs> that is to do something difficult, to do great work. And the churches are no longer involved in great work. They're just sort of involved in a selling fire insurance. Mm. Good point. Good point. All right. Dr. Warner, take us where, or Joe, were you going to jump in? I was going to say, take us where you want to take us because there's so many directions we can go in. I noticed that you've got um, you've got some online uh, learning uh, courses, and of course, all of your 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 materials are great. But if you want, if you want to mention that, and uh, you, sure, you know, tell us about that and how we should and could can uh, enlighten ourselves about uh, Islam through your investigative research? Well, what has happened is, is I'm a scientist by training. And so what that means is, is I want to understand the theory that underlies any phenomena. And so in my teaching of Islam, what I want to teach people is the voice of Muhammad and the voice of Allah. So all of my books that I sell are not my opinion, but facts that you can find in the original documents. I sell a Quran, for instance, which has the remarkable quality of you can pick it up and read it and understand it. And the reason is, is I took the original Quran and made it, I won't go into the details, but so that you, my goal is to make it easy to understand difficult material. The Life of Muhammad, the series 800 pages long and fine print and the most difficult academic prose I've ever read. So in my books, I sell two of them. One of them's a 200 page and the other's only 80 pages. But the beauty of my books is anyone can pick up and read them and understand them. My life of Muhammad, for instance, I gave it to a 14-year-old girl and told her, gave her 20 bucks if she'd read it, and she could read and understand the life of Muhammad. That is, this is a person in high school. 
So my materials are easy to read and they're the original material that's been transformed into being easy to read. I do not deal in opinions, I deal in facts. And so what I've done is I've structured all this material. My favorite job that I've ever had was a teacher. I couldn't believe that you get paid for talking and getting about something you liked and getting money for it. And so what I'm, my goal is to not impress some people with how smart I am, but instead of how easy I've made the material to understand. So you can, uh, you can learn Islam from me, and you always know if you're learning Islam, if it's not the word of Allah or the actions of Muhammad, you're not learning Islam. Everything I do is referenced back to that. So I sell training courses. My book's put together in a whole self-study course format, and you can get my books in audio format, print format, electronic format, and I've left, oh, audio books. Did I mention that? So anyway, I, I'm a teacher, and I teach about the subject of political Islam. Now then, what I would love to do is to be able to give up my job because I couldn't sell any books because the universities and schools were doing the job they're supposed to be doing, and then people wouldn't need me at all. So my dream is a society in which my books wouldn't sell because everybody already knows what I'm trying to tell them. It's a shame that, uh, I know we already covered this a little bit, but it's a shame when what you just said that the, the content of your books uh, basically are, are going to be are, are shadow banned like they do on Twitter from, you know, institutions of education. And it just goes back to this mentality of, and I call it, it's like a Stockholm syndrome, uh, identifying and, and basically falling in love with your enemy. That's how mm -hmm. I see this, uh, you know, the, this love for Islam in, in the, not so much in the media, cause I know where the media is coming from. This is part of the globalism, globalist agenda to deconstruct our society and our constitution to, to bring America down. But the, the people who believe that they're doing the right thing by embracing Islam and censoring the truth, that's such a, I mean, when, when this is, when this world's all, all, all over and done with, and we're all, you know, looking at the, at a judgment, I hope these people realize one day what they really done because it's just, it, it's insanity. And, and Dr. Warner, really, in in your um, human rights Sharia wrongs, May twenty fifth, <laughs> I, I really like that 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 uh, column you wrote. Um, Islam claims to have the supreme ethical system in Sharia, um, and then you, you delineate how Sharia compares to the UN Declaration of Human Rights in nineteen forty eight, and it, inarguably. It, it's inconsistent, of course, with with human rights. It's antithetical to human rights, and and so, so I, Dr. Warner, the um, Linda Sarsour, <laughs> what's her? How is it possible? And and I, I know this is an extension of what we've been talking about, but her popularity among feminist groups. Explain explain that to me, us. Well, the only way I can explain it is in some sort of sickness, because Sharia, let's go back to, if I were in a Sharia protest, I'd say, I oppose Sharia wife beating. Look, any doctrine which involves a doctrine including how the code of how to treat women, which includes how to properly beat your wife, I mean, why do I even have to go further with this? And why is it when this Linda lady says these things about that, you know, you'll love Sharia because you won't be paying any interest on loans. 
That sounds like a better credit card offer, perhaps, but it's simply not true. You don't pay interest, you pay a leasing fee. Who cares what you call it? It's money you have to put out of your pocket to get the business deal. So she can say all these things because the people who listen to her and applaud her don't know Sharia from Shinola. They don't know anything at all about it, so they believe everything that she says. And they don't want to be rude and interrupt her with the truth. Oh, let me brag here for a moment. You were talking about my books. Yes. My book, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, is Amazon's best seller in Islamic law. Okay. Cool, huh? Sharia, oh, yeah, I love it. Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, right? That's yes. the title. Okay. And uh, it's it's the best seller on, on, on Amazon on the in the category of Islamic law. Now, I'll admit that's a narrow niche. But hey, I'm the best. You're, you're talking to a best-selling author here. Hmm. Yes, we are. <laughs> and and we, and thank you. Seriously, even though that niche might be small relative to other categories, that is not to be taken lightly. No, and congratulations. Uh, for, you know, really, um, it's an honor to, to talk to. And, and Sharia law for non-Muslims. Extremely important work of Dr. Bill Warner. I would recommend everyone to, to grab a hold of a copy of that. And that, that, that will give you the ammunition, I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong, it'll give you the ammunition to have an intellectual discussion or debate with these morons that are holding up the signs saying, you know, uh, we, we love Muslims and uh, Muslim, you know, come on, it's, Sharia's okay. Everything's going to be fine under Sharia. I might even have you to cause you to have a debate with your minister. There or your you rabbi, go. or your cousin. Okay. I love it. You know, and that's an interesting point that you just made. People who listen to the show, who attend churches, who interact with their pastors, uh, we should engage with, with the pastors and find out where they stand. And if we find out that they you know, are um, of the mindset that you know, Islam and Christianity worship the same God or ah. anything we talked about tonight, uh, send them to, to politicalislam.com. Give them some material. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Part of this is we Do need you... to reach out. As our lack, as you said earlier, we're, we're losing the information more. Well, we need to expand that information more then. And, and at least you've done your part by, by bringing the truth uh, to these people. And um, at least it, it's somewhere to start. Would, I, would you, I mean, would you recommend, Dr. Warner, that book? Yes. Okay. Uh, to, to Okay. Anything in addition to that, or would that be sufficient to advance? Actually, what I would recommend is if you would, is I sell a collection of four. By the way, I sell two kinds of books, big books and little books. <laughs> uh, well, th there's a story behind this. The book Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, I was lobbying an anti-Sharia bill in the Tennessee legislature, and I was had a senator tell me I don't have time to do any reading. I don't even have time to read the bills put in front of my face. And I said to myself, you just told me that you won't read a big book on Sharia. So I came home, I called him my printer, and I says, how many pages are in one-eighth of one inch? He said, 54 pages. So I wrote a 54-page book called Sharia Law for Non-Muslims. It's sold by the tens of thousands. And I'm, I also sell a 480-page Quran, which sells by the dozens. So I went, whoa, wait a minute, the clue phone is ringing. People will not read a big book, but they will read a little book. So therefore, my books all appear in a big book form and a little book form. Hey. If they, if the man wants a red suit, you turn on the red light, right? So Sharia Law for Non-Muslims was my first little book, and it, like I say, it sells by the tens of thousands. Okay, and, and uh, so we, in fact, we're going to have to order 
because I know I know several uh, pastors that uh, should get a copy of of that of that book, and uh, so we're gonna have to order a, a number of copies. Uh, we're our up guest, against... yeah, our guest is Doctor Bill Warner. Politicalislam.com is the website. Politicalislam.com is the website. Uh, we're coming up against a, a break in just in, in about one minute. And folks, if you missed the the first few segments with Doctor Warner, uh, I don't know how many people saw this. The the perfect man billboard. We were talking about this, and the reporting that was being done by the uh, local Indiana news, both in print and on uh, on the TV, about interviewing other Muslims, how they were so appalled by what was on this billboard and how it was hate speech and it wasn't true and their misconceptions. But Dr. Warner laid out through the life of, of Muhammad um, how this is very accurate and how these claims are are not uh, misconceptions, how they're not lies. They are facts and tenets of uh, the life of Muhammad. Folks, when we come back, we're going to continue with Dr. Bill Warner in our final segment. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our final segment with Dr. Bill Warner. He's the author of a number of books, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, number one best-selling book on Amazon. Got to tell you, it's, it's, it's a small, short book in the Islamic, yeah, number one in uh, the Islamic, uh, let me get the, let me get the right genre here, in Islam and then subgenre law, so... Uh, that's something to be very proud of. And uh, Dr. Bill Warner holds a PhD in mathematics and physics, and he's been a university professor, businessman, and applied research physicist. Not your typical, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. I was reading some of the comments of uh, some people at a popular political forum that's uh, democratic and it's kind of underground, but I won't name the forum and they were making fun of the people who are afraid of sharia law um and afraid of of muslims holding public office what do you say uh dr warner about about muslims holding public office in america well they're compelled by if since they're and they identify themselves as muslims run with that flag they're under that banner uh their number one commandment is to spread Islam. And to actually, that's not quite true, is to spread Sharia. Muslims don't really care whether we become convert or not as long as we submit to everything that the Sharia demands. So there's a, the conflict is between the Constitution and Sharia because they, for instance, there are uh, laws which prohibit freedom of speech. Here's an example of one. One of the things that Sharia says, if you leave Islam, you should be killed. Now, somehow or another, do I want somebody serving me in office who believes that if he can ever get full power, those who leave Islam should be murdered? You know, I really don't care for killing apostates. So I think there's a big problem with with talking to somebody who, who actually would tell me that they will fulfill the Constitution. Don't they take an oath to fulfill the Constitution? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a lie. So if their oath is a lie, after that it just goes downhill real fast as whether I want doing business with me or not. It's a good point. I mean, simple as that. And you can't, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot. You got that right. And there, there it is. Um, one of the comments on this 
particular form, the Sharia law does not exist, period. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but in, in true idiotic fashion, um, this poster goes into uh, this treatise about how uh, Sharia is God's law, God's commandments concerning human actions, which are categorized in different ways. And um, uh, th this is a key sentence, and, and we don't even have to talk about this, but I just, just to, just to kind of showcase some people how they think, uh, this poster writes, since God in the Quran and the Sunnah, which in parenthetically, Muhammad's deeds, sayings, and way of life, does not often explicitly state which actions belong to which category. It is left to humans to try to figure this out. Again, an abundance, in my view, of, uh, I don't want to say insanity, but uh, lack of knowledge, I suppose, because you figure that much differently. Well, it's interesting to me. It's been, 9-11 was in 2001. I would have thought, I'm a, I'm a natural optimist. I would have thought by now that when you made such remarks in America that people would laugh in your face when you talked about Sharia. Yeah. And yet what we find is, is that people don't know, they don't care, and they don't bother. And that it's, it's there just seems to be a willful ignorance here that I do not understand. And maybe I do understand it because if I'm right, See, if they're right, we can all go home and sleep, right? Because everything's going to work out fine. There is no Sharia or Sharia's neat and cool. Sharia's fine. It's just God's law. And, that, you know, God loves us all. So, oddly enough, the Quran is insistent on the fact that God does not love us all. He despises the Kafir. But setting that aside is that it's appalling to me that so little is known in this time. And that it's also appalling, and you'll find people standing up and running their mouth who don't know what they're talking about. And don't seem to concern themselves with that. It really concerns me that professionals, journalists, ministers, college professors, are not doing their job. And, uh, and I in particular blame church schools for not doing their job. I do not know of any school you can go to in America and learn much about Islam. Actually, here's an interesting thing about to measure the universities. One Sunday morning, I gave a talk to in a private home to a group of collected Jews who were conservative in their politics. That is, they were not necessarily conservative in the Jewish sense. When I got through, there was a gentleman there who was a full professor at Vanderbilt University. He sits in a university chair, which means he's, his funds come from somewhere else. It's as high in rank as you go. He said to me, Bill, your talk today is original and provocative and creative, but you would never be allowed to give this talk at Vanderbilt because it would offend the wrong people. Now, carefully, what did he say? He said, what you've said here, I mean, that's high praise. Your work is original, creative, and provocative. I mean, actually, if you think about it, that's about as good as it gets. No, I would say. And yet you wouldn't be able to give this talk at Vanderbilt University, nor at any other university for that matter. The one time in which I did give a talk at Vanderbilt University, I was not invited by the university, but by a young group uh, who belonged to an organization called uh, Something About Western Civilization. So the schools are supposed to teach the process of how to gain more knowledge, the critical thought. Look, our civilization is based upon two principles, and we're not supporting either one of them. The first principle is the intellectual principle of, of critical thought, scientific thought, 
That's our moral, our intellectual foundation, and our moral foundation is the golden rule. Do unto others you would have them do unto you. We may be still remembering some of the golden rule when we must apply it, but we do not remember at all that critical thought is the foundation of our education system. And yet the professors don't care. They don't give a rip. Mm. They're just ideological. They give you your ideological injection, and if you can spout it back enough, then you get an A in the course. This mm. is tragic. So our, our universities are corrupt. Our churches are corrupt. And I, when I say churches, by the way, let me throw in and just say I'll include the synagogues as well. I don't want to give anybody any slack time here. And yet we're all just sort of like going along our way. Hmm. Yeah. I keep coming, you notice I keep coming back to the theme the, of we're losing because we're playing a losing. We think like losers. We act like losers. We talk like losers. We plan like losers. You know what happens if you do all those things? We have a loser's mentality. You know when all that lines up? The Muslims want to win and we want to tie. Now, if you have two teams going out onto the field, one wants to win and the other wants to tie, which one are you going to bet on? You don't even mm-hmm. need to bet. You know who's going to win. Exactly. In, in kind of in closing, I, I in preparation for um, our conversation tonight, I was looking at uh, some news and there was a there was an article that appeared in the Kingston, Ontario, uh, newspaper, the Kingston Whig Standard. An article written by Aaliyah Hogben, I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. The title of it is Sharia and Jurisprudence, Not the Same. And the the feature picture is a woman, obviously an Arab woman, a Muslim woman that is, holding a sign, Unite and Fight Against Racism. Right away I thought that sign... Um, not really depicting the true R- racism has really nothing to do with what we're speaking about race. This is not a race issue, right? Nothing to do. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a difference of ideology and, and right. it, for Christians, it's a different, a difference of faith. But this was a sign held last weekend in New York city. So Dr. Warner, I mean, you're obviously in disagreement with that sign, right? Well, I'll go back to that. I'm not sure what race has to do with Islam. Islam proudly proclaims it has nothing to do with race. I think they want to deal with the race thing because that makes Whitey feel guilty because of he all used to own white, used to own black slaves, and he's only recently released them, or some such thing as that. I do know that race, I think they use the term racist, and I've stated this in public, is the dirtiest word they can use in polite company. That mm-hmm. if, we were in, if we were an impolite company, there's other words we can use which are even fouler. And it has nothing to do at all with race. It's just it's the dirtiest word they know how to call you. And they expect most people, if you call them racist, to buckle and, and just give up. Say, okay, I quit. You call me a racist. I, 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 whatever you want to do, we can do. Please, I'm not guilty. I'm innocent. I don't want to be part of the racist crowd. I'm not a KKK member. Really, I'm not. Mm-hmm. So it's a straw man. Okay. Which uh, which we've we've addressed before. and. and we understand that okay but this is the problem with the narrative um th- th- that's being rolled out now i'm not sure if you mentioned this or not the author of this particular article makes reference to the word is it feek f-i-q-h yes feek okay which she states um is is jurisprudence is that 
I'm not sure what, what the definition of FIC is. It's this. It's the judgments of It's the results of applying Sharia law. Okay. They want to say the term Sharia law is really a misnomer, and I sell a book called Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, and the reason I do that is, is I want people to open the book, and I want them to have a little understanding. And one of the first things I do is to establish that Sharia is an entire body of knowledge that includes customs, habits, how to pray, theology, but it also includes law. So legal decision, the jurisprudence is the philosophy behind legal decisions. And yes, it does contain all those things, but all she wants to do is muddy the water with words that you don't know, and so you'll be intimidated and think, well, Sharia must be good for some reason. Uh, okay. What I say is, why don't you go study some Sharia? And by the way, the book that I base my little 60-page book on Sharia law about, I'm looking at, at the source it came from, which is Reliance of the Traveler, which is a 1,300-page book in fine print. So what I've done is, is I only write on Islam from the standpoint of the unbeliever, I don't give a rip about their salvation message. I'm not afraid of their hell, nor do I find their... Well, I guess when I was younger in particular, I'd find the uh, heaven uh, more attractive, but sort of Hugh Hafner, <laughs> sort of Hugh Hafner in, in Arab robes. Dr. Warner, as you and I get older, it, it, hold, it holds less of a attraction, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the point is, is that the Sharia has been made easy to understand and get out there and understand it. Look, don't trust any Muslim about anything you say about Muhammad. There's only two people you can trust. That's Allah and Muhammad. Don't trust a Muslim. Trust Muhammad. Don't trust a Muslim. Trust Allah. There you go. So what I'm preaching here is a form of heresy, but what I'm saying is get back to the basics. These basics used to be very hard to understand, but now they've been made easy to understand. Don't listen to Muslims. Only listen to Muhammad. Uh, that's right, and you're you're teaching, you're speaking from his own words and and Islam's own uh, um, material. So it's not like you don't need to make it up. That's right. It's bad enough as it is. In closing, the uh, the author of this particular piece that just that was just published today, and because you like the you like numbers, I'm gonna I'm gonna read read this sentence to you here, and you can have fun with this. Um, and comment on this. Now, she writes this. Of the 6,000 or so verses in the Quran, about 80 verses deal with legal matters, and it is reasonable to look into how these have created, created an entire legal system. As a scholar notes, the Quran is not legal or is not a legal or constitutional document, as less than 3% of the text deals with legal matters. Now, have at that, because... Knowing what you said the last, uh, since you, you know, come on, uh, I know your answer, but uh, go ahead and drive that well, home. Much more of it deals with uh, Sharia than that. For one thing, let me give you an example. There's page after page on how to pray, which is only briefly mentioned in the Quran. So she can call that legal. It is a Sharia matter. Whether it's a legal matter or not, I don't know. How she determines whether, for instance, in the Sharia we have how a will is to be made out how a will is to be executed. We have uh, how children are to be raised. So the Sharia contains an awful lot of things. So far as the actual legal content, I will point out one interesting thing. Muhammad was a businessman. That's how he made his money. It's interesting that the longest verse in the Quran is, is about contract law. 
So I, my impression is that I've never tried to use the hard definition of what is purely legal. Instead, I just use the, the understanding of what goes into the Sharia. But I get a feeling it's more than 3%. Let's deal with jihad, for instance. I mean, jihad is not considered to be a legal principle, and yet the Quran is very clear about jihad. The Sunnah is very clear about jihad. And the Sharia is very clear about jihad and defines jihad as subjugating the Muslim, as subjugating the Kafir. So now, is that a legal thing or is it just something to be feared? I'm I don't care whether she calls it legal or not. I don't like jihad. Amen to that. Very well done, Doctor Bill Warner. You've taken us really taken us right to the. Uh, to the brink of our of the end of our program here uh one more time your book of course one of your books sharia law for non-muslims get that at amazon right or you can get it from my website okay buy it either place i like it better if you buy it from me because i make more money i love that too that's right uh okay and your website is politicalislam.com .com. all right now how do and like i say go ahead if 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 uh, somebody wants you to autograph the book can, can that be done through your website you know, if you put it, you know, I've never done that. Oh. I'm not very clever in running my business. I just stated that I enjoy selling books, but I never, you know, I've been told by my daughter, Dad, if you'll sell signed copies, you can sell them for more money. Sure. So yeah. anyway, you know, then, no, then none of them are signed. I'm going to I'm gonna uh, buy a I bunch just, of, uh, Dr. Warner, I'm going to buy 10 and sell them on eBay for a premium because, you there know. There you go. You'd have one of the few signed <laughs> copies. <laughs> now, go, go ahead. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. But anyway, I sell all kinds of books, but they all deal with the law and Muhammad. They all deal with Islam. And they are all, let me emphasize this again, easy to read. Now, I've been told they're not as easy to read as I say. For instance, my book on Sharia law, a guy said, theoretically, you could read this book in an hour's time. But what happens is you read one page and you go, whoa. Mm-hmm. He says, you put the book down, you start thinking about that. Like, oh, my goodness gracious. Do you realize the consequences of this? So it's been said that it is a small book, but it takes a time to read because it has so much to digest. Studying Islam is like reading science fiction about a world that ha- where everything has two meanings and everything is upside down. But mm. I find it fascinating. Wow. And I love it because once you have some of these facts at your disposal, you can easily persuade anybody in a debate because you'll keep saying, what you said, can you give any reference for it? Because everything I say, I can reference to Allah and Muhammad. Hmm. Okay. So well-sourced, bottom line. Yes, that's yeah. all I was one, one guy said, Bill, your books are really just one vast succession of well-written footnotes. <laughs> wow, that, that, that's kind of a, that's an interesting compliment. Well, it is. Because in, like in my life of Muhammad, as an example, every paragraph has a little index number, like a verse number, so that you can go back to the original source material if I say that if you read in my book, Muhammad and the Unbelievers, and it says, and Muhammad commanded, kill every Jew you can lay your hands on, you go, oh, that can't be true. Well, there's a little index number that starts the paragraph. You can go to the source text, the Sirah, and that's, you'll find that he did say that mm. in slightly more flowery language. Very well. Very well done. You know, I'm going to have to... Uh... And get your larger books uh, for for reference, but uh, indeed more of your uh, your other Sharia, Sharia law from non-Muslims. More of those copies and give them out as gifts. Father's Day is coming, folks. You know, good good. Uh, hey, educate your dad, educate that man, and uh, or educate the pastor. Doctor Bill Warner, 
Thank you so much for joining us. Very topical, very on target information. My goodness. Thank uh, you. I mean, as you can tell, I enjoy myself more than anybody else when I talk about Islam. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, if, for the reasons, you know, yeah, to, to educate others, because I'll tell you something, uh, um, you know your stuff and, uh, I'd like to, yeah, I'd love to see you in the debate head to head, yeah. head to head with, uh, what's his face, uh, Eber, uh, what's the guy from care? Have you, uh, have you debated Ibrahim him? Hooper. Yeah. Have you, have you debated him at all? No, I've not. Tell you, I'd rather debate. I'd rather debate your minister. Oh, there you go. Okay. I'd uh, rather debate an apologist rather than a Muslim. Everybody wants to see me lock horns with the Muslims. I say, I don't really concern myself much with Muslims. I'd rather lock horns with a Kafir who believes the crap that Islam puts out. Him I'd love to debate. The guy who's the columnist for the newspaper who writes these apologist articles. But anyway, that's just my fantasy. Well, I'll tell you what, when we, when we get, uh, our uh, pages of, uh, responsive emails to this broadcast, which I'm sure we will, we'll send a few over to you. You so. can debate them. <laughs> My brother. Thanks a lot. I've enjoyed myself. Hey, th thank you. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious, man. I'm going to come down and we're, I'm going to take you out to dinner. I really am. Good. All right, brother. Thank Bye -bye. you, doctor.